million people uh, worldwide suffer from depression and that it's the uh, world's leading cause of disability. Um, within the United States, uh, there are some 18 uh, million adults, uh, or about 1 in 10, uh, who suffer uh, some form of clinical depression. And when you look at the statistics in relation uh, to the number of prescriptions for antidepressants, it's quite striking. Uh, in 1999, 7.7% uh, of the population over age 12 uh, took antidepressant medication. By 2014, that number had increased to 12.7%, a 64% increase. And those figures continue to be on the rise. Um, the percentage of older adults, those over age 60, uh, who take antidepressants, 19.1%, nearly one in five. And women are twice as likely as men, 16.5% compared with 8.6%. This is not an insignificant issue in our world. In the seven common types of depression, there are more, uh, but the, the major types of depression are major depressive disorder, uh, persistent depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, postpartum depression, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, seasonal affective disorder, and atypical depression. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about depression, although it doesn't so much uh, use those terms that we have sort of come to know medically, uh, but depression is actually a major theme in the Bible. And therefore, if you are, are struggling with depression or going through a dark season, this book really is your friend. And, uh, and, and one of the places that we see that clearest, in fact, over and over and over again, is in the book of Psalms. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to be looking at Psalm 42 and looking at what it has to say to us in relation to depression. Because the psalmist is going through a major depressive episode. And again, while he doesn't use the terminology, he, he describes depression in two ways, in terms of a drought and in terms of drowning. And I wonder if as we read through this, you'll be able to identify with those two ways he describes it. So let's read the psalm, Psalm 42, by the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come <coughs> and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Will they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the, the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, 
a prayer to God, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Son, the Lord Jesus, uh, who indeed is the light of the world. And we pray uh, that by uh, the working of Your Holy Spirit uh, that we would see that light even from a place of darkness. And so we ask that you'd be at work this morning amongst us now, bringing about healing and freedom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the book of Psalms, as, as most of you, I'm, I'm sure, are very well aware, is actually a collection of 150 songs right in the heart of the Bible, right in the center of the Bible. And traditionally, the way the songs would have been used is in corporate worship. Uh, just as we've sung in this service already a few songs, uh, so too the people in, in the time of Jesus and before that, they would have sung, literally sung the psalms as worship to God, uh, whole psalms, line by line. But what is striking about this psalm is that there are, are some verses in it that we might that, that, that might seem a bit unusual. I don't know if you notice some verses that we read that you might think, you know, I mean, hang on a second, that's supposed to be sung in worship to God. Uh, for instance, in verse 10, <coughs> it says this, As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? This is meant to be sung in corporate worship. Another translation renders it like the crushing of my bones, my enemies taunt me. Let's be honest, this is no joyful, joyful, we adore thee. This is a bit strange. This, you know, is certainly not very encouraging, it would seem. It doesn't seem very encouraging. But the truth is, it is so encouraging. I'm so glad these verses, verses like this, are in the Bible because this psalmist is going through a severe depressive episode and he describes it again in, in two ways. He describes it as drought, there's a sense of lack. Perhaps you know someone that has gone through depression or is going through depression. Perhaps you've asked, what, is it, what does it feel like? Tell me about what's going on. And perhaps uh, they, they would have said, I, I, I just... I just want to feel. I just want to feel something. It's, it's, it's a drought. It's a lack. Our psalmist says, my soul thirsts. He's an experience of drought. And, and, and it's not only in terms of drought that he describes the feeling of depression. He also describes it as drowning. Drowning in sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. That's what the experience can feel like. Our, our psalmist puts it like this in verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He feels overwhelmed with the, the sense that he's been abandoned, that God has left him. But there's a question that we would be right to ask. 
hang on a second. I thought if you became a Christian that you were supposed to be um, joyful and happy, right? You put your faith in Jesus, and then all of a sudden, it's kind of like on your bad day, it's supposed to be kind of maybe an 8 out of 10 on the joy scale. That's on a bad day. You're supposed to be really, really happy. That's a really important question. And let me answer it by saying this. In this life, the Christian is not The Christian life is not uninterrupted brightness. There are times, if you believe in Jesus, where you will know the shining of God's face. But there will also be times where you'll know the hiding of God's face. You will know Jesus leads you by green pastures and by streams of water. But you will also know Jesus leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. And therefore, if you're a Christian here and and you struggle with depression, let me say this. It's not a slight on your faith. It's not necessarily that you are weaker or that you've done anything particularly wrong. I mean, some of the greats have struggled with depression. Pastor and theologian John Piper, he struggles uh, with depression. What's unique about his case is that for the last 30 or 40 years, he has preached about the all-consuming joy of God. God is most glorified in us as we are most satisfied in him, is one of his famous phrases. He calls himself a Christian hedonist, a hedonist uh, pursuing joy in Jesus. He struggles with depression openly. Augustine, maybe the greatest mind in the history of the church, struggled with depression. Martin Luther, the great reformer himself, he struggled with depression throughout much of his life. And the the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, he too struggled with depression. He, He had a number of health issues, but on depression, he said it was his, quote, worst feature. When referencing his depression, he said this, My spirit was sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not what I wept for. The Christian life is not uninterrupted brightness, not in this life. But it seems like there was a time when it was. In the beginning, God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the garden, and God seemed to sort of dwell with in the garden with them, and God, the Bible says, is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So that garden was full of light. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, rather than choose the light, they chose darkness. In Genesis chapter 3, we, we see that they chose sin, and darkness entered the human existence and has infected and affected all things. But this darkness was never meant to be there. And And the truth is that a life that continues to live in this inherited trajectory of choosing the darkness over the light, over God's provision of light, the Lord Jesus Christ, only ends in more darkness, even outer darkness, cut off, away from God's light for eternity. And an existence so severed from God and His perfect light is hell. And therefore, this hellish darkness is something of what it's like to go through depression. It's really something of a sip of of what it's like to be devoid of God's light-filled presence. 
And maybe you've had a friend or a family member that's spoken in those terms. Maybe you've said to them, describe for me, what does it feel like? What, what are you going through, through? Explain it to me. Maybe they've said something like, it's, it, it's, it's like hell. It, it's hellless. And, and, and the reality is, if you are supporting a friend or a family member with depression, it's important to let them speak like that. It's important to give them space. Our psalmist speaks like that. He does. He, he says to God, why have you forgotten me? He feels abandoned. He, he feels left. And listen, God is so gracious. God, God doesn't come in and say, I beg your pardon? What are you talking about? He doesn't do that. And, and we, those who are supporting those with depression, would do well to lead with listening, just, just as God does in His great grace. And the reality is this darkness can affect us profoundly in our whole person. It can affect our physical body. It can affect our mind. It can affect our spirit. And, and, and it should be said, first of all, that there is something to be said for happy chemistry. And, and what I mean by that is that there will be some of us in this room that are, are naturally kind of upbeat. That's just the way we are. And, and there will be others of us that are, you, you know, sort of the glass half-empty kind of people who naturally don't see uh, the bright side. And, 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 and we would be naive, I think, if we didn't sort of recognize uh, that that's a reality of life, but depression is so much more than simply glass half empty. It's more profound than that. Depression can be a chemical imbalance in the brain, and in those instances, it's important to, to seek medical attention. The Bible isn't against that, and in fact, it, it may even be that it is God's provision for you in breaking free from the depression and the darkness. But while it can be that, there may also be other contributing factors. And these are very, very practical factors that I will list that are, are really important in terms of our, our mental health and also in terms specifically of depression. Factors such as poor diet, isolation, lack of exercise, unhelpful sleep patterns, alcohol consumption, and side effects to other medications. They all have to do with the care and treatment of our physical bodies. And that's a uh, an important component in addressing and dealing with this issue. But we also need to consider our mental care and the, the battle of the mind, if you like. This is a, an important battleground when it comes to depression. So let me ask you this. What music are you listening to? What TV programs are you watching? What books are you reading? What are you watching on Netflix? What's in your favorites? Is it dark? Because the reality is these things may be contributing factors to depression. What's your relationship like with social media? The thing with social media is everybody, you know, puts their best foot forward. And, and then when you're looking through and you're sort of scrolling and you think, wow, look at their life. You know, you know look at what they're doing. Their Saturday night looks way better than my Saturday night. And their, their family looks way more polished than my family. You may not even have a family. Oh, I longed for a family. And your relationship with that can lead to feelings of discontentment, sadness, maybe even depression. What are we constantly putting into our minds? What about this one? Pornography. Could it be that if, by the grace of God, you were free from pornography, could it be that depression would lift? 
The reality with pornography is that pornography comes with guilt, and guilt leads to shame, and so often shame leads to isolation, and it's kind of like a vicious cycle, and you go more and more and more and more into yourself, and it's fertile, festering ground for depression. And the Bible is clear, clear that when there are contributing factors that are harmful or that are just not helpful to us, it's at those times that you need to be ruthless. But this psalmist, he also gives us help for the mind. He speaks into this issue. In verse 11, he says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him my salvation and my God. Our psalmist, he complains, he laments, but listen, he also fights. And he fights in this way. He, he speaks to himself. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's speaking to himself out loud. He's challenging the tapes of negativity that are playing over and over again in his head. He's challenging them. He's refusing to be like a paper bag in the wind. He's saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge this. Why are you cast down? I know too much of God. Come on, why am I cast down? That's the way he fights. He reminds himself who God is. He says, my salvation and my God. He's saying, no, no, this is who you are to me. Even though it doesn't feel like it, even though it feels the opposite, I'm going to say this stuff. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to proclaim it. I'm, I'm not going to believe the tapes in my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth to myself. One of my great heroes, Martin Lloyd-Jones, put it like this. I mean, I can't put it any better than the way he said it. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's antidote in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, Listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And he fights. And this might look like taking promises from this book and, then write, and writing them down. This might look like memorizing Scripture that you can, so you, that you can say it out loud to yourself again and again. No, 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 no. This is the truth. For our psalmist in his, deep season, his season of deep depression, this was a great help. And lifeline to him. And it, and it may be through this that, that this is God's provision for you to, 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 to find your healing um, from depression in this area. But while we've looked at the body and the mind, uh, what we're putting into our body mentally, if you like, it's important to look at the area of the spiritual as well. Because depression can also be caused by spiritual pressure. How does the psalmist put it? Verse 9. Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
Why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Listen, the reality is that there is a God in heaven who loves you. But there is also an enemy who hates you and hates God. And while God wants to bring light through Jesus into your life, the enemy wants to bring darkness. And this enemy, he doesn't play fair. He will use discouragement. He will use abuse. He will use trauma. He will use anything that we haven't (coughs) fully submitted to the light of Jesus Christ. And he will try and bring about darkness. He doesn't care. But our psalmist in the psalm, he also gives us tips to to face this spiritual warfare, what has helped him in his season of great darkness. And it may may seem very simple, but really it's it's very profound. It's his biggest tip to us, actually, because he says it more than anything else. He says it three times in the psalm, and that is to worship. This is what he says. He says, I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. And at night his song is with me. And hope in God, for I shall again praise him. What's he doing there? He's praising, he's worshiping. He he most likely does not feel like it. And of all the things that the psalmist said, this says this is probably the hardest thing. It is, but it it might be the most beneficial thing. The psalmist knows he needs God, and he needs God's people. In relation to God's people and the whole issue of isolation and community, he says in verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. The throng, the, the house of God. What's he talking about? He's talking about this. He's talking about the people of God, the church. Our psalmist, in his season of great depression, says, the thing that cheered me up, the thing that gave me great cheer, is going to church, is going to small group, is being amongst the people of God. It was something of a lifeline for him. And the reality is that, that we, you and me, all of us, we all need community. None of us was meant to be in isolation. I mean, there are amongst us introverts and extroverts, to be sure, and those, are, and those differences are real, and they're both good. But regardless of that, we all need community. Even God himself is community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. For this psalmist, this really was a lifeline for him. And if you are supporting a friend or a family member in depression, be in community to them, bringing it to them, Maybe the best way that you can serve, serve a person in this situation. Something so simple. It sounds very unspiritual. I tell you, it's spiritual. A, 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 something as simple as offering to take them for a walk. It could, be a, a, it could be another lifeline for them. Just a 15-minute walk, getting them out of the house. That is very spiritual. And that is doing community together. But the psalmist, he understands that ultimately... The only true and lasting cure of depression is God himself. He says this, as a deer pants for flowing streams. He knows that he is thirsty. He knows that he needs God. And where is God? Well, another psalm says he inhabits the praises of his people. Do you want God? Well, praise him, worship him. 
And his presence will descend through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes with joy and comes with peace. And if you're in a season of depression, if you're able, if you're able to press through, it may be God's way of healing you or bringing great light into your situation. It may be, this might be his provision for you. But our friend, the, the psalmist also, lastly, he maintains communication with God. But perhaps not in the way that you and I might think. The reality is that there are moments and glimpses of great hope and faith in the psalm we just read. There are also glimpses of real anger. Anger with, well, with God. And can you relate? Do you know what it feels like to be angry with God? Maybe you're going through a season whereby you expected things to be different in your life. Maybe things aren't going as you had hoped. Uh, Maybe things aren't happening that you thought by now would have happened. Maybe things are happening that you thought never would have ever happened. Perhaps you're here and and you feel like your prayers are just sort of reaching the ceiling, if that high. Maybe it just feels like God has just left you and you're confused. Do you know what it's like to be angry with God? I do. The psalmist, he does as well. He, he articulates what so many of us feel. He, he says in verse 7, All your breakers and waves, all your breakers and waves roll over me. He says, I say to my God, to God my rock, why have you forsaken me? He says, why, why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He is angry with God. And I love how the Bible is not afraid to be so raw and real. Let me ask this question. Why does, a God, why does God allow this sort of talk? Why does God allow this? And not only does he allow this, but think about it, for thousands of years it has been enshrined in his word. And his word stands forever. So not only does God allow this, he enshrines angry prayers. Why does God allow angry prayers? Well, surely it's because they are prayers. Our psalmist is disillusioned, he's discouraged, he's depressed, but he is disillusioned, discouraged, and depressed to God. And what does this say about God? What does this say about how God relates to us? Surely God is saying, I am your father even when things don't go as you thought they would. I am your father, even though you don't say things exactly as you should all the time to me. I am your father, even in the darkness. And you may have done all else. You may have done everything. You may have done everything in this psalm, repeatedly, year after year. And you may still be in bed, under the covers, darkness all around, not wanting to leave the house. And you may have done it all and still be in that position. And all that's left to do is what Psalm 37 does, which is to to wait on the Lord. Wait on Him. Lord, I'm waiting for, for you. Lord, I'm waiting. I need you. I need you to break through for me. 
You may be in that position, in bed, under the covers, darkness all around, and you may be tempted to think, I'm useless. I'm pathetic. I'm not offering much to God right now. Well, the truth is, you never did. Jesus offers to God on your behalf. And Jesus comes when you're in bed under the covers, not wanting to leave. And I, I tell you, he stands at the foot of the bed. And you know what he does? He prays for you. And Jesus would do so much more than that for us. Jesus, let me say this. One of his titles, one of his titles is man of sorrows. The Bible says that Jesus was acquainted with grief, which means he knew grief. He, he understood grief. He understood the darkness. Jesus, for us, would, 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 would go to the darkest place of all. He would go to the shadow of the cross, where in that place he enjoyed what, what some call the dark night of, his soul, of the soul, saying, now is my soul troubled. And this darkness that Jesus experienced, it seemed to be so intense that it seems to have broken out over the land, even over the cosmos, the, the sky and the clouds. It says in Mark 16, and there was darkness over the whole land from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. And, and, and while we can sympathize and relate and be encouraged by the truth in this psalm, and, and, and we're meant to be, listen, we're meant to be, it's supposed to be uh, for our encouragement, but really, this psalm only truly makes sense coming out of the mouth of Jesus on the cross. I say to my God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taught me. Well, they say to me all day long, where is your God? And there are some phrases in this psalm that are just so familiar. Our psalmist says, my soul thirsts for God. While on the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. The psalmist says, I will say to my God, why have you forgotten me? As Jesus says from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he was being crucified for sins that were not his but ours, so that we might be forgiven, God left him. Jesus was delivered into darkness so that through faith we would be delivered out of it. Jesus' head was anointed with blood and he drank the cup of God's wrath so that our heads could be anointed with oil and our cup overflow. And Jesus didn't stay in that dark, dark tomb. No, no, he burst forth in resurrection, life and light, and through faith in him, we can now know joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the psalmist says this, he, he talks about himself being something of a worship leader, leading the throng in procession to the house of God. And I, I mean, no truer words could have ever been written about Jesus, who who one day will be in the midst of the throng. He will lead worship that day, lead the, the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. I mean, that's Jesus' privilege to lead those who believe in him into the house of God where there will be no more mourning and there will be no more tears. The former things will have passed away. All things will be made new and God will be in the center. So my friends, 
in his life, yes, we mourn. But we don't mourn as those without hope. For Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows on the cross. And he is able then to turn our mourning into dancing. Surely Jesus meant it when he said in John 12, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness now and forever. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus, and we thank you that, that he went to a place darker than we could ever dream of going. He went to the cross so that we can be forgiven and know uh, the light of life. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you're able to heal us in our seasons of darkness and depression. You're, you're not limited, and, and we're, not to, we're not to prescribe to you uh, how to heal us. But we thank you that you're able to. Lord, we thank you for your great love. We thank you that you understand and stand by us. Lord, would we, by the power of your Holy Spirit, do what the writer of this psalm says? Would we now worship you? Whether we feel like it or not, some of us will feel like it now, and, and Lord, some of us won't, but we pray that we would reach for you through worship and communion, and, and would you bless us for it? And even past the, the time set aside this morning, would, would you help us a journey on in, in such a way that we will see increasing levels of freedom and joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.